Let's go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 20. Wow, that was quick. She had it ready to go. Verse 14 says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water from the seizures. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. He's talking to Jesus here. Jesus says back, you unbelieving and perverse generation, he replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Look to your neighbor, tell him, at that moment. They couldn't do it, but he could, and he did it at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and said, "Uh, why couldn't we do that, Jesus? He replied and says, because you have so little faith. He didn't say you have little faith. He says, because you have so little faith. That's like nothing. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this situation, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing is impossible for you. He says right there, all you need is a little faith. But he told them you have so little faith, which means they didn't even have a little bit. That's not good. And I wanted to throw out there that, uh, that mother's booth we're doing next week is really cool. Michelle got, got to it, but we're going to do that mother's booth. So bring your moms. Mom, bring your family. And uh, we're going to take some really cool photos in front of the backdrop out there. But I was thinking about this and how the apostles probably, one, looked at a mustard seed and said, well, that's not, that's not really enough to do anything. Look at it. It's nothing. But Jesus said that's all they needed to move mountain. But he said so, they had so little, which means they had less than the mustard seed. And I started thinking about this time me and Colton went to a jeweler to get a bunch of watches I had sized and batteries put in them because I tried a few times and I always scratched the things. I don't know if you all tried the Amazon kits, but do yourself a favor and pay the five bucks at the jeweler and they won't mess your nice watches up like I did. And when we're in the jeweler, you see people, you know, with the magnifiers, right? And they're, they're zooming in on little bitty stones like diamonds. I bet when you bought your spouse's ring, and if it has a diamond, if you like it, then you got to put a ring on it, just so you know. So when you did that, uh, you probably thought, this diamond looks small. Why is it $5,000? Why is it $2,000? It's because what the face value appeared to you as one thing, what was underneath the surface was far greater. Y'all getting this? So, so I thought, the face value, that's it. That mustard seed to us has a face value. And, and the mustard seed to the apostles had a face value. So I looked up what the, what the dictionary says a face value means. And it says, a value printed or depicted on a coin, banknote, postage stamp, uh, concert ticket, etc., especially when uh, less than the actual or intrinsic value. Uh, example, tours. Uh, we just went to one Friday, offer tickets priced many times their face 
value. Supply and demand makes the face value not as much as the real value because people are willing to pay a lot more than what was printed on the original ticket. It says another example is um, a superficial implication that it's not as powerful as it appears. And it says here, she felt that the lying was unconvincing, but he seemed to take it at face value. So, so the another dictionary example says in an in a, in a illustrative scenario of someone lying to another person, uh, she did not do a good job, but the person received it for face value as if it was. It's how it appears, but doesn't mean it's what it is. And those jewelers are masters at determining actual value over face value, over uh, maybe just the, the starting point. And so I started thinking about that mustard seed a little more and started thinking about faithfulness and mustard seeds and why God is always referencing such small amounts of faith to do big things and we still struggle with it. Why is faithfulness so important to God but so hard to always feel and perceive faith in our own walk? Has anybody else ever felt totally numb to God? You can be a really good churchgoer like me. And you can become totally numb in moments of your life. You feel like you, feel like you don't even feel spiritual. You don't even feel connected. Does anybody ever feel that? They feel, they feel nothing. And so they start valuing based on what the face appearance is of their, their setting. And so now they start thinking God's not there. And they start devaluing what God already said he would do for you. And, 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 and devaluing what you've professed to him in the past, like when you got baptized, like when you repented. You start questioning everything based on that feeling. And so you start saying this faith thing is hard. But it's not, it's not really that we're lacking faith but perhaps we're judging faith on a scale that is not God's scale. So what we say faith can do is like this much, but God says faith can do this much. And so we judge, scale, we judge faith on the mustard seed scale, and the mustard seed is as big as it gets, and God says my scale, is the, the mustard seed is the starting point of my scale. And so there's a difference in the scale. It's not, there's not a difference that we both agree, me and the Lord, that we should have faith. It's that we're measuring our faith against a different standard, a limited standard. Maybe we're approaching faithfulness to be unattainable when really it's within our grasp. This building felt really unattainable for a long time to a lot of people, to a lot of people that spoke to me and said, you can't have that. And I said, with God, all things are possible. We can have that if it's God's will. And five banks said, you can't have that. Come back in a year. And I said, I'm not waiting a year. I'm getting old. I said, we want it now. I said, sell it to us, but pay for it for us. Give us a loan bank. The sixth bank said, okay. Now we're doing it with the construction. I don't know how umpteen banks said no. They don't even, they have so little faith. This is a this is a church. Oh, why would we put all our eggs in the church's vision? Because they have no belief in the church. That's the world's view. But the Christian, the minister for the gospel, and that's all of us. That's not me. That's all of us. We take it to the bank and say, you don't understand that if you just believe in this a little, God's going to multiply this thing bigger. But, but bank, if you, don't, if you don't step, we'll find another bank to step with us. And so we're, we're getting there. But that's because we know what a mustard seed of faith will do. We've seen it happen once, and we're going to see it happen again. So get ready for that. That's good. But that can still feel difficult, and you, you kind of always feel rejected with your face.
But if we just grasp the simplicity of living for the mission of the gospel and remember that God is a multiplier, that's good. He wants to multiply our faith and even do the impossible. He says nothing will be impossible to you if you had just a mustard seed of faith. I challenge you today to not ask yourself if you have faith, but what kind of faith do you have? You're really faithful, but that's not God, God's will. That's not helping you find purpose. In fact, maybe we're really faithful, what does the Bible say, to mammon? That's an old fancy word, to the world, to the things that are not of God. Maybe we're really faithful, causing our faith devalue in God's purpose. Is your faith seeing beyond face value today? My title today is, Seeing past face value. I think living as a Christian would be pretty hard if you only could see what was on the surface and that was all God ever did. Because as long as we limit God to what's on the surface, he can never surpass expectation. But when we believe that there's something bigger, he's there to surpass that expectation that he's going to do something bigger, yes, we know, but it's so much bigger than we can even put our minds around. And that's what kind of faith he wants us to have. And there's, there's an issue with looking at small things and seeing big results. It's a, it's a distance issue. It's a perception issue. We went to Elevation Worship concert Friday, me and the, old, the, uh, the oldest three. Anybody like Elevation Worship? It was awesome. It was loud. You think it's loud in here? Oh, my Lord. Y'all don't even know. I thought my ears were bleeding. And I was like, thank you, God. Is that blood coming out of my ear? No, it was loud, but it was cool. Um, we had really close seats. And I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a hockey game or, like, uh, the nosebleeds in the baseball game. And doesn't the baseball player or the people look really small? Now, just because they look small, do you leave there going, they were small people. No, because you have enough wisdom to know that what you see is not actually what it is. That's just the first face value impression of what you get. But you have enough experience in this thing to know that they're actually big people. And when you get closer, it starts revealing how big it really is. And so we're at the concert, and we had really good seats. I tried to get first row on the first section. I'm not a floor seats guy because I don't like people. Did I say that? I'm just kidding. I love people. I don't like being on the floor, though, because, you know, I've hurt something trying to mosh pit or whatever. So we got on the, the first section up, and the, and the row one was taken. And so I got row two for me and the kids. And then Colton's having a fit because he's so dehydrated. He's like, Dad, I can't, I can't. I'm so thirsty. And he starts crying because he's so dehydrated. I'm like, are you, are you going to survive this? So I had to take him out in the middle of the concert to get him a drink of water. And thankfully, he lived. But, but, but the thing is, when, it, when we were in the concert for the five minutes, we were actually in the concert, even though it was, like, really expensive. We were mostly out in the thing in the, the, the water fountain in the bathroom and all that. But when we're actually in the concert, it was so cool, Mitch. It was like the best five minutes of my life. But what I'm saying is the seats were so close that you see a bunch of things you would not normally see from the back of the auditorium, you know? Like, like, and, 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 you know, we've been to a few of these things, so we're getting real familiar with how they do some stuff, but like all the videographers, 
roaming around. We got the social media people over there cutting footage. We see them. We see the, the roadies up on the stage prepping the gear. We see one of the singers from Elevation Youth and Elevation Worship. He does a little of both. The guy who sings a walk on water, he's just out in the house doing a FaceTime with somebody right in front of us. And like, like you start noticing all the detail of what's going on, that it's not really just a, a band and crowd like you think of a concert. It's like a bunch of a micro things going on to accomplish this massive vision. Not that again. <laughs> Who was here last week when it was thunderstorming? Devil don't like preachers. That was good. By the way, when I was practicing the worship, I forgot there's a neighbor, and I had that guitar going like a two in the afternoon, and he sent me a text. He says, something going on over there? He goes, I hear bass, and I hear guitar radiating through my office while I'm taking business calls. I said, that was me. Sorry, I'll turn it down. I forgot you were there. Blast melting faces with that guitar on that Thursday. Anyway, where, where was I? We have a distance perception issue that determines the value of what we can see God is going to do. And so we judge it by how it looks. But when I got a little closer and I saw what was all involved in the concert, I said, that's no different than a church. That's no different than what God is doing to a seed, a mustard seed. We say, how can a seed move a mountain? It's because there's a bunch of stuff going on with that seed that we don't see. God starts doing something under the ground with the seed, and it starts building roots, and then something bigger actually moves the mountain. It doesn't say the seed moved the mountain. It says the faithful one will move the mountain. So if you start with a little, God is a multiplier, the Bible says. So he's going to multiply it, and he's going to build the strength it needs to push it to that big thing like a mountain. Isn't that cool? But if we can't see it, we can miss it, and we do miss it. We're always in the nosebleeds for God's faithfulness. That's pretty good. I should write that down. I don't have a pen. I'll, I'll do it later. We're always in the nosebleeds with God's faithfulness. We ask him to do the smallest thing possible, and we think that's victory. Victory is not until he does something you can't even comprehend as possible. That's what real victory is. If, if we can do it on our own, then, then it was not a victory. That's a man-made effort. But if God does something that is not possible without his intervention, that is a real victory in Christ. You know? Get out of the nosebleeds. Look at your neighbor. Just, just a little nudge them. Get out of the nosebleeds. Just a little elbow. Don't hurt them. If you don't have one, you can just pretend there's one next to them. In fact, you can do it harder because they're not there anyway. Get out of the nosebleeds. can't see it, we will miss it. They call that going through the motions. We've got this really cool house down on Summers Road. Has anybody ever seen that big old house on Summers Road? It's beautiful. But after the first two or three times, you quit noticing the thing because you're going through the motions of just getting to Target or wherever you're going. Starbucks and Target combo deal, the best. Like you quit observing the things because you're no longer seeing them clearly. You're just seeing the face value of the street. It's just a street to you. It's no longer filled with beautiful homes and people that need Jesus and all these things. And you can drive right by that church on Liberty High School that was there for however long and never know it's even there because you're, just, you're, you're going through the emotions. It's a perception thing. It's a distance thing. It's not a faith thing. We have faith, but maybe our scale for measuring our faith is off or maybe our fail as faith is in the wrong things. So what kind of faith do we have, 
And where are we putting it? They both matter. There's been times I've been very faithful in myself. There's been times until I had a few kids and turned 40 where I said, nothing can stop me, Mike. I thought I was Superman until stuff started hurting. And then stuff started bleeding. And then stuff started, uh, then then the the reality creeps in like, hey, you're a human being. Like my brother stepped up here. Remember he said, I'm not really Superman. Remember he had that? That was really cool because we learned to think that we can do the impossible in ourselves. Now we've become self-serving, faithful to ourselves. That's That's not biblical. That's idols. We're, we're, we're faithful to our cash flow. We're faithful to our job until they let us go. They would never do that to me because I am me. Sorry, got to go. Too expensive too. Now what? We're crushed. We don't know how to function anymore because everything we put our faith into never had roots. But if you had the faith of just a mustard seed and actually something like, like God's tree, like that thing would not be shaken no matter what the world throws at you. And so that's why a little bit of faith in God and his will is so much more powerful than being full of faith in, in the carnal things that perish when we go to the heavens. You with me? Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you. I like that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Three? No, okay. They said one is it. Okay. I never tried that. I figured it was worth a shot, Vincent. Is your faith seeing beyond face value? One Seed Church is named One Seed Church. You can put this together because all we needed was one seed to grow God's kingdom. I didn't go to the church store and buy a bag of seed to start the church. I said, all we need is one seed. His name is Jesus to plant in people's hearts because it says that God is a multiplier, can do the impossible, and if we water that thing, it will build roots. We weren't meant to carry a sack of seed. We were meant to carry a seed and put that thing out of our garden into someone else. God will multiply it. That's why we named the church that. That's how much we believe in this scripture, this passage, this word. That is so simple, we overcomplicate it. The seed is relevant. The seed is essential. You got to start with seed. That's belief. The problem with seed, belief, is some people stop there. Did you know the demons believe that Jesus was the Messiah that came out of Legion Who knows who Legion was? Legion, for we are many. This was the possessed man. After Jesus was tempted in the mountains, he came down and he met Legion. His name was Legion, for we are many, says his name. Everybody's name has a meaning. It's because he was full of uh, uh, evil spirit. He was a possessed man, bound to shackles. They said he'd scrape himself and do all this stuff. And the demons said to Jesus, we also know who you are. You are the Messiah. Therefore, they are confessing that he is the Christ. I'm not saying they followed Christ and they served him according to his will and purpose. That's clearly not the case. But they believed. Anybody else believe like that? Believe is just a seed. But if you don't do something with that seed, nothing's going to happen. You got to water it. You got to root it. You got to plant it. You got to pray over it. You got to profess it. You got to claim it. God will turn it into a tree. Our first uh, Facebook cover photo for One Seed Church was a little plant growing out of some soil. One little thing with some foliage 
I said, that's the whole mission right there. A simple little plant. The seed is relevant. It will always look small from a distance. But what is at the forefront of your magnifier is my question. Like that jeweler. We think more seed better. Jesus says, no, that suffocates roots. One seed is good. One little mustard seed is good. What should we do? Look to your neighbor, tell him, what should we do? Magnify it. You should magnify it. Get up close to your seed and start looking at it a little closely to see how it's affecting. I didn't know that my attendance to church was causing my kids to think about Jesus. I didn't know they knew that I was uh, going, you know, I didn't know that a five-year-old could pick that up. Remember little, little uh, Kylie shouting something out? Because, because they hear things like that little seed we thought was really not worth the time to heal that person or to pray over that person because they're asking for prayer again and they always ask for prayer and they're just too needy for me to exalt my virtue out of me that God put in me anyway because I don't got time for that. That's exactly what the apostles were doing with their faith. And they did it in other uh, situations. They did it with, with the, blind, the, the blind man. They'd walk by him, remember? They'd walk by him over and over because they didn't think it was enough to satisfy God to be used. And God shamed them then. He shamed them now. And he always comes up and cleans up our mess. It says he was healed immediately. Like, get it together, he said to them. Some people wonder why I look so crabby in the morning because sometimes I'm looking at some of the volunteers who have been here for four years, and I say, get it together. Come on, think a bit. Think about one little seed, and they do, and they go, yeah, yeah. And then you see change, and you see the team forming, and it's so cool because it's a principle of the Bible. I'm not making it up. It's because we think on our own. We say, how can we be used? How can we make this better as a tree? And so, so God will multiply like that. It's so cool. And I'm crabby because I don't drink much coffee before church. Until after church, then I'm happy. No, I'm really happy most of the time. I'm a happy guy. <laughs> anyway, the seed is relevant. It's relevant because it's how we relate to it. If we relate to doubt, doubt becomes relevant. If we relate to haters, people hating on us, and all we do is consume our minds with what they said, guess what's relevant to my life? Everything everybody else thinks or says or does. Guess what there's no room for left in my life? Anything that God wants to do because I'm too busy thinking about what everybody else is doing. Where are you putting your faith? You're being really faithful to Instagram. Oh, snap me on the wrist right now. What did my kids say? Hey now, be nice, mom. I hear my mom talking smack already because it's true. That's my mom, by the way. It's true because you can be so faithful to the things that are poison. What are those peanut butter cookies? What are they, Michelle? Nutter butters. The devil. Whew. Consume sin so fast in a, in a sweeping five-minute window. You can consume the entire package of nutter butters. It's the devil. You know what's really cool about food? It's so biblical. Not that. Not what I said a minute ago. Did you know like an almond is tiny, right? Did you know it's one of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, a single almond? A broccoli, 
uh, certain types of berries, blueberries, super, there's loaded with antioxidants. Like, like the best foods are in these tiny little things. You know, just because they give you more of the portion doesn't mean it's good for you. Has anybody ever tried to force themselves to eat what they put on the plate because you paid for it anyway, even though it's actually killing you softly, says Lauren Hill? It's like, it's like just because they give you more doesn't mean it's actually what you need. Maybe we should swap that out and put some almonds on the plate. You getting this? Because one feeds you and one kills you. So we can be really faithful at cleaning our plate with the stuff that's poisoning us. Is this all connecting? This is figurative talk, not literal, but it could be literal too if you're trying to, you know, get in shape physically. It's all connected. Your body's a temple. It's all connected. Nourish your spirit like you want to nourish your vanity. Oh, that's good. Does anybody really care to have a spiritual six-pack or just a physical one when we go to the beach next week, which I still don't have? I never thought about my spirit, though. How do I look to God? How, how do I look to Jesus in my spirit? Do I look frumpy, sick, and lethargic because I've been stuffing my, myself with the world? Sometimes. That's why I don't have the energy to pray. That's why I don't have the energy to go. That's why I don't have energy to lift my hand because I'm tired from what I'm consuming. God says, take away all that. All you need is a little relevant seed. This related to the apostles who couldn't heal the man, who the child, and it relates to us. Relevance keeps me connected to the things that are valuable in my life. And we need to strip away the unrooted twigs and root up relevant, powerful roots from those godly seeds. What's he say in verse 20? Let's go back there. He says, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can see this mountain move from here to there, and it will move. This is the part I wanted to say. If you have faith like this, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, don't go crazy and jump out of God's will and say, God told me to do it because that thing will also not be possible for you because, because that was not God's will. We can't abuse God's word into, into our will and then say God didn't answer on his promise. Well, God told me to do it. No, God went silent. That means don't do it. But if it is God's will, when we take steps forward as this church, this is a personal thing I fight all the time. The biggest moments are the ones that you feel the most fear, resistance to, to do it. It's like really, okay, I've talked about walking on the water, but now you get on the water, he says. Like, this is like a conversation I have with him. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sink, though. That's for Peter. And so, so, no, he says, why can you preach the word of God and say how Peter could do it, but when I'm giving you the moment now to walk yourself, you're worried about sinking just like him. You getting this? It's the same for you. We can preach it good. We can pass it along. We can give it to the next person. But when we're tested with it, we put boundaries on the face value. Nothing will be impossible for you. God is saying there, I can do a lot with a little. God says the faith size of seed has a strength to move things the size 
of mountains. And just because we don't understand the, the physics of it doesn't mean it can't happen. There's a lot of things that God has done over time that we can't explain how he did it. But we believe, especially in hindsight, and know factually that it happened. I don't know about y'all, but we never did find Jesus after he resurrected. Now, all the other prophets of all the other religions, guess where they at? They're still in the grave. There's one that rose that we can never figure out, even if we wanted to, even if we wanted to say we're not even faithful, we're not even a Christian. No one, the atheist can't say Jesus is over there because he, he rose and he ascended. And, you know, the Bible has over 40 authors. It's over 1,500 years of physical writing spanning 5,000, 5, 6,000 years, 7,000 years, excuse me, of time. And it can't be refuted. It's been tried and tried again to be defeated by the world. And it's still not, probably still the best-selling book of all time. I know it was when I was a kid. I don't know anything better that could surpass, surpass the Bible. Not even that stinking um, Da Vinci Code garbage. I know that was a best hit, but it still can't beat the Bible because the Bible is alive and well and true. And when, the, when, when, you, when you plant that kind of seed, it can't dry up. It can't dry up. Everything else will perish and go away except God's will. Nothing else will survive. That's why I want to be in that thing. I don't want to be Kirk Cameron and left behind like that. I don't want to be left behind. I want to get in God's will. Because if I'm in his will, he says nothing's impossible. This is another thing that struck me here. If God will do all that with a mustard seed, what is he telling us he will do if you have more than a mustard seed of faith? Y'all don't even know. The pain to carry the weight of even fathoming what a seed could do. My God, what could he do with more than that? He didn't say that's all you could have. He said if you just had that to start, I'd still blow your minds. Now, if that don't knock you on your behind and go, oh, my God, I don't even know what I'm working with here. This is powerful stuff. I don't know what will because God is saying it's so much bigger than you'll ever understand. You'll never understand it like I mean it. That's the kind of faith I want, that you do it anyway. You'll never have an answer for how I did it because it's not for you to know. John in the last verse of the gospel says, if everything Jesus did was written down in the book, the world could not contain all the books, that there is enough that you should believe and act on that belief. And that's what we need, just enough, just enough seed that God can multiply it. If y'all could stand this morning. God has empowered us through small things and meant for us to act on those small things. It starts with belief, but do you believe enough to act on that belief? Do you believe enough to not only talk about it, but to do something with it? They said, I don't, I don't understand how you healed him, Jesus. He says, because you're not understanding that belief is not enough. Just because you saw me do it, I want you to have the same kind of faith. I am your example. What are you going to do, apostles, when I'm gone, says the Lord? you got to get your faith right. I need you. God needs each and every one of you in this house today. The pastor can't do it alone. The pastor, the sound guy can't do it alone. God needs your witness to this world. 
They need whatever it is you can do. It just takes one little seed to plant. God loves you. Oh, wow, that's so easy. Yes, it is. That's all it takes to spark a thought, to open up germination, because God gives the increase, and he wants to use us just as Christ healed this man. We're going to have a weird ending today because we don't have any closing worship because I thought it would be a little weird to then throw the mic down and go grab a guitar. We don't need it because we got Jesus. And so we're going to, we're going to pray this out. I want to leave you with this thought. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which means what I treasure is where my faith will be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your heart will be, that's where your faithfulness will be. When someone's not faithful anymore, you know why? It's because their heart has left the story. And I don't like it. And that hurts, especially when they're loved ones and they did that. I get it. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's where my faith has to go. So where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? If you could bow your head with me, we're going to... We're going to give thanks now. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you're telling us that you will do impossible measures in our, our lives, in our, in our relatives, in our neighbors, in our children, and everybody we encounter if we have just enough faith for you to grab onto it. That all you're looking for is enough to grab onto. You're not looking for a wheelbarrow full. You're looking for just a little mustard seed amount that you can latch onto. Because once you got a grip on that thing, you're telling us you're going to multiply that. And you're going to multiply what's in our heart. And we're going to all of a sudden have a garden full of this stuff growing that we didn't know was possible. Because you put it in there. Because you're, you're a promise keeper, God. So we give thanks now. We, we, we pray that we no longer look at what your will on earth can be accomplished by how we see it in, in, in the news and how we see it in, in church attendance and how we see it in this or that. We see it for what it is deep beneath the roots of the text, God. And we believe it. We claim it, God. We give thanks. We pray that our treasure is in the right place. We pray our treasure is in the right place. It's not in the vanity of, of this world, but it's in, it's in the true unseen treasure of your kingdom, God. I want to go there with my faith. Help me as a pastor to do it. Help the congregation as the sheep to come to it, God. Help us find that kind of faith, and we will see. We know it, and we claim it now. In Jesus' name, we will see mountains move. If you believe it now, if you could say with me, everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God one more praise as we go out. If we didn't have a guitar, we'd be stomping our feet and clapping our hands. So we're going to give thanks, and we give, we give all the praise today. And we pray you have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next time.